Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So delighted to have you here today. Let's start in opening up in prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord God. And I want to thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to gather together to partake in your word, Lord God. I pray that you would prepare the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every single listener today, Lord God, that these words would be received, Lord, and that they would get sunken deep and within their spirit so that they may come bubbling up whenever it is that they need them. Take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor, for your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis One Christian Ministries. Brother Brandon here. We're so delighted to have you uh, join us as we partake in God's word today. And as I always say, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and pause this message, grab your Bible and then come on back and resume the message and maybe even get something to write with or a highlighter or something like that so that you can highlight scripture as Holy Spirit. So guides, but it's important to have your Bible whenever you're uh, attending any kind of church service so that you can see for yourself what the word of God is saying. So you're not taking my word for it, but you'll be able to see it in scripture for yourself. So we're going to start right off by going into the book of second Corinthians. And we're going to start in chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to go to verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The main scripture there that I want to focus on is verse number five, where it says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I want to talk about putting your thoughts under captivity. And when you think about what, be, what, what being captive means, it's, it's being imprisoned. You know, if you see anybody that's that's locked up in, in, in jail, they, they are in prison. They're, they're cut off from the outside world. They don't get to enjoy the freedoms uh, that, that the rest of us get to enjoy. They're on a on a strict schedule in terms of when they can eat and, and, and when they may be able to come out of their cells or even be able to get some time outside, you know, depending on what, what type of uh, what type of prison it is. They, they get cut off from the outside world. They have to do things according to what the prison has has set up and, and, and what the guards uh, expect them to do. They can't eat when they want to eat. They can't go out when they want to go out. They are in extremely comfortable, uncomfortable situations. OK, well, we can also hold our thoughts and bring our thoughts into captivity and we can cut them off from the outside world, if you will, because whatever it is that we choose to focus our thoughts on, if we focus our thoughts on that long enough, it ends up turning into an action. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter uh, um, uh, how well, how, how under how self-controlled you might be or what kind of willpower you might have. At some point, there's a thought that comes across your mind that you need to get out of your head as quickly as possible. And if you dwell on that thought too long, you're not able to hold it captive because now that thought, then you start to think about, well, well, how do I turn this into an action? And then it starts to lead into uh, a, a behavior that, you may regret later on if you're thinking too hard on on it. OK, our thoughts can be held in captivity and can be cut off from the outside world, but it's solely dependent on what we do when thoughts enter our mind. If we thought, dwell on a thought long enough, it will eventually dictate how we act. If we focus on a negative thought, it will lead to negative actions. 
If we focus on positive thoughts, it will lead to positive actions. If we focus on sinful thoughts, it will lead to sinful behavior. But if we focus on godly thoughts, it will lead to godly behavior, right? Everything starts with your mind. This is why you hear in the world people talk about mind over matter and, and, and how your, 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 um, your, your mind will give out faster than your physical body will give out. Anyone that's ever been in the military or, or, or where you've been in a job where you, you have physical demands of the job, but you have to pass these physical fitness requirements or, or go to some sort of uh, boot camp or some sort of training and, and, you, and you have to, at the very least, meet the minimal qualifications in order to, to obtain that physically demanding job, you know that your mind will start to give out faster than your body will. And you got to start changing and focusing your thoughts, not focusing on the pain that you're feeling, but focusing on what it is you're trying to accomplish, focusing on that, on that end game. Also, if you focus on your goals too much, okay, you could run the risk of trying to jump to the end of obtaining that goal and missing the steps and the process along the way to obtain that goal. So everything always starts with the mind. So when are some situations when our thoughts can actually come under attack? Well, they can come under attack when we're alone. The devil would love to isolate us Christians. You know, uh, um, I, I still see it today. Here we are in 2024 and, and, and we're, we're, we're several years past COVID and, and things opening up. And there's still individuals that, that, that just prefer to, to go to church at home. They don't want to actually go into a church building. They're, they're missing out on that relation or on that relationship with other believers, that fellowship with other believers. And, and so the devil likes to get us alone. And so that he can then attack our thoughts and we don't have anyone to go to in that moment. Our thoughts come under attack when we're feeling vulnerable. This could be due to any kind of hunger or uh, um, prolonged hunger, like Jesus when he was in the desert and he was fasting. That's when Satan attacked him. Uh, was, was 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 a long time into his fast there and everything like that, and he tried to get him to doubt whether or not he was the he was the son of God. So he'll do that when 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 we're vulnerable. It could be a relationship that that just ended. Right. Whether it's a family member or if it's someone that you're dating or even if it's a marriage and and that relationship ended and, and you're 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 thinking about all the good times that you had. And you just wonder why it, it, it couldn't work. And then the devil will start planting thoughts in your head that say it's all about you. It's all about you. See what you did. You were the one that made this relationship end. And the next thing you know, if you're not careful, those thoughts start turning into well, what can I do to get that individual back? What can I do to, to mend that relationship? And meanwhile, God may be trying to tell you, I need you to leave that relationship alone. I need you to sever those ties. But you start thinking too much about the good times that you had and you and you mess around and you start trying to figure out how can we bring that? How can I get back into that relationship? Our thoughts come under attack when we're sick. OK, it's difficult to, to, to pick up the word of God when you're not feeling well. All right. Lord knows that I've, I've been there. You know, it's hard sometimes just to. To pick up the word and just read for five minutes when, 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 I, when I'm not feeling well, all right? But our thoughts will start to come under attack. You have some sort of ailment in your body that you just can't seem to put your finger on. Something that's been going on maybe even for quite some time. And, and every time you go to the doctor, the doctor says there's nothing wrong. All your results come back negative. Or, or, or the doctor might say, yeah, we see something in there, but you know, there's really nothing we can, we can do about it. Or they try a procedure and the procedure just, just doesn't work. The devil will start to attack your thoughts then. Well, have you doubting that, that God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals? 
will have you doubting that God can actually heal you of your issue. And how quickly we forget about the woman with the issue of blood that had that issue for a long time and, and wasn't even able to uh, and, and spend all she had going to the doctors. But she had faith that when Jesus was walking through the crowd, if she can make her way through the crowd and just touch his garment, that she would be healed. And it said that when he touched her, he looked at her and said, your faith has made you whole. All right. But the devil will attack our thoughts when we're not feeling so well. Our thoughts also come under attack when we're in the midst of a trial. We're looking around and, and we're coming up against challenge after challenge after challenge. And that challenge is just not resolving itself in a manner that in, in the speed at which we thought it should. Because we want it to be over right now. But we're missing how God is, is, is growing us and shaping us and molding us to be who he wants us to be during that trial. And so while we're in the midst of it, the devil will plant thoughts in your head about the fact that, that, that God actually isn't there. And he'll have you think that God just forsake, has forsaken you, that he just left you, that he's nowhere to be found or that he's not even real, which I find fascinating how stupid the devil works, how stupid the devil is and how he works, that he tries to make you think that God exists and, 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 and not to stop. And, and we don't stop and think that, well, if, devil, if Satan, if you exist, then that means God exists. So you can't have one without the other because you were... You became who you became by the simple fact that you were disobedient to God. So he kicked you out of heaven and you became who you are. God is still around. Okay. Or sometimes he may even make you think that he himself doesn't exist, that Satan doesn't exist. All right. But he'll get in there. He'll attack your mind when you're in the midst of a, in the midst of a trial. Or also he'll attack your mind when you're waiting for an answer to a prayer. I don't know how many outstanding prayers I have I have out there, but I know that eventually God will give me the answer in his time. Or I should say it'll be made manifest in his time in the physical. Remember in the book of Daniel where he was sending up the prayer and the angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, from the first time you sent up the prayer, God heard you. But the angel or the, or the excuse me, the uh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia would stood me 21 days until the archangel Michael came and he helped me. And then that's when that angel was able to deliver that message to Daniel. So our thoughts will come under attack when we're waiting for our uh, waiting for a prayer to answer. So when did all of this start? When was it that our thoughts first came under attack? Everything we find, everything that happens in life can be traced back to Scripture. Everything can be traced back to Scripture. And our thoughts came under attack in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse number 15. Just want to focus on a couple of scriptures here, all right? Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day you eat it, eat of it. You shall surely die. OK, so here we start to see and, and just to lay a little bit of a foundation here. Here we see that when God created Adam, God gave Adam a, a, a clear command. He told him you can eat anything that you want in this garden. However, anything on this particular tree, stay away from it. And he told him what the consequence was. What we have to recognize about our thoughts is this. God will never, ever force you to think what you don't want to think. 
The same way he will never force you to do something that you don't really want to do. What God does is he lays out the options in front of you. If you take this road, here's where it's going to lead. If you take this road, here's where it's going to lead. I prefer you to go down this road because that is the road that is going to be pleasing to me. But the choice is yours. He lays out the consequences of both actions as well. And then it's up to us to decide. God is not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to want you to want to do. He gives us free will. He leaves it up to us to decide what we want to do. We can choose what we are willing to focus our thoughts on and the wrong focus can lead to the wrong action. All right. Staying in the book of Genesis here, we're just going to jump down to chapter three. Okay. We're going to jump down to chapter three and we're going to start in verse number, verse number one. So again, God gave Adam the choice. He told him what to eat and what not to eat. And if you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you will die. So he warned him. Now, Genesis chapter three, we're going to see where doubt starts to or where thoughts start to um, uh, uh, thoughts start to come under attack. Verse number one, in Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he and he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall eat of every you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, look at this. OK, there's a lot of things here. And, and what I love about scripture is that when you read it, it starts to have deeper, deeper meaning. If you let Holy Spirit provide the revelation to, for you. OK. We know Satan is the great imitator. He is the great imitator. Everything that God has set up in his kingdom, Satan has set up in his kingdom. All right. God inhabits the praises of his people. He loves music. And so what does Satan do? Satan starts to pervert the music. Satan attacks the music because when he was Lucifer, he led the angels in worship of God. And you see this today in many churches. You see this today even with with people. All right. Where, where, where the church music and the actions taking place in the church during what is supposed to be a time of reverence and praise and worship of God starts to look like a club on a Saturday night where people are drinking and the movements don't look anything different than what you would see or the music doesn't look like anything different than what you would hear if you were in a club or at some sort of party. All right. Praise and worship should not look like a party that you would see in a secular world. It is a time for deep connection with God. The music that's being played by the musicians should not start invoking certain type of movements that when you look at the individual, it makes you wonder, are they trying auditioning for some sort of music video? All right. And, 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 and I know that there are many people out there that will hear this and they will say, well, 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 you know, brother Brandon, people just, just, just let them worship. Be happy at the fact that they're worshiping. No, God would not just want, want us worshiping in a way that makes it look like we're dancing the way the world would dance as opposed to dancing in a way that's respectful for, for God and music in a way that's respectful to God. That's going to glorify him. That's going to lift him up so that we, when we are doing these things, people look at us and see that we are different. OK, we are different. Don't let anybody ever lie to you and tell you that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how it looks. I could spend all day on this. OK, don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that it's OK to play certain types of music when you're praising and worshiping God. If it's causing all sorts of movements that look worldly, it's not of God. And we need to make sure that we're not doing those things. In this case here, what we see is Satan asking Eve a question. 
mimicking what God does. God oftentimes will ask us a question, and, and you see it in Scripture, and, and, and we won't go through all, uh, all the interactions that, that God has after, uh, after Adam and Eve eat the fruit there, uh, uh, but, but God will oftentimes question us as well. The difference between the way God questions us is that God questions us to make us bring to, uh, to change, if you will, or to bring to, 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 to light what it is we just did for learning and repenting purposes. God will ask those things so that you get a realization of, oh, man, look what I just really did. Now that I know this, I can repent of it. When Satan asks questions, he does it in a way that makes you doubt what God actually told you or what God actually showed you. And if you look at this right here, he didn't say, Eve, did your Adam husband tell did your did your husband Adam tell you that God said not to eat of this fruit? He went right after God and said, Is this what God said? Is this really what God said? All right. In the in the amplified, the question reads, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So he does it in a way where he's really, really, really starting to plant that doubt in there, start to play with Eve's thoughts. All right. Now, let's look what happens. Verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the tree of uh, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it unless you die. So Eve is saying now, OK, this is what God is actually saying to me. Look at Satan's response. Then the serpent said to the woman, because now. All right. This is something you have to recognize about how Satan operates. You may tell Satan, here's what the devil, here's what God told me. All right, devil, this is what God said to me. And when he realizes then he's like, oh, okay, that doubt that I planted in your head, that didn't work. He steps it up and look what he does here. You will not, uh, verse four, then the, the, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Underline that. Cause that's just a flat out lie. You will not surely die for God knows that in a day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. OK, so now he tells out a flat out lie and says, if you eat this fruit, you're going to be just like God. And he doesn't want that. So what does Eve do? Verse number six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, underline that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to a husband with her and he ate. And we know how the rest of the we, we know how the rest of the story goes there. But if you look there, the way our thoughts start to come under attack, what Satan will do is he'll plant a thought. He will ask you a question to get you to start really thinking about what did God truly say to me is is what I heard from God really God. Did he really mean that when he said, don't eat from that tree because you will die. And what Satan will do then is then he will say, well, no, wait a second now. That's not what God said. And if God did say that, he's lying to you because he doesn't want you to be like him. And then he starts to show you something. And maybe it's something that you see physically or maybe that that shiny object is something physically that you're going after, that you're striving towards. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a car. All right. Maybe it's a, a, a new position at work or maybe you're looking to change jobs. Maybe it's an individual you want to have a relationship with. All right. Maybe it's a pet. 
Okay, maybe there's an animal you 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 wanna you wanna buy uh, as a pet, and Satan will hold that shiny object up to you so that you can see it with your eyes, and once you see it with your eyes, then that's when the thoughts start to change. All right, you're walking down the street and you hear what sounds like tires screeching and glass breaking and 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 metal crunching. What is the first thing that comes to your mind? A car accident. So what do you do? You turn around and you look because you want to see what it was that you heard to make it match. Then when you see it, what happens to your thoughts? Your thoughts start going into in, into wondering, wow, I wonder what happened. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, uh, should I call 911? And, and, and all these thoughts start running in through, through your head. And as you start thinking on those thoughts, it then leads to another action. And this is what Satan does to mess around with our thoughts. He will plant the thought. In your mind's eye, you'll start to visualize it, or even you may even see an actual shiny object. In this case here, she saw that the, the, the fruit was pleasant to the eyes, and then she started thinking about what Satan said and saying that, hmm, the fruit looks good, and it's going to make me wise, therefore I'm then going to partake of it, all right? Then I'm going to partake of it. That's how Satan operates. That's how he attacks our thoughts. He tries to, to, to not just plant the seed in our head, but then he starts to water that seed. He wants to give us this, the, the, this image of, of, of what it could be if we just listen to his thoughts versus what happens if we listen to God's thoughts. That's how our uh, thoughts start to come on, under attack. All right. Once you see it in your mind's eye or you physically see it, that's when it starts to become real. And then when it starts to become real, then you start to take action. So how do we start taking control over our thoughts? Well, one of the first things we need to do is we need to meditate on God's word. Go to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. And we're going to go to verse number 1. So Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that your, the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Underline all of this in verse 5. Actually, underline 5, five and 6 if you don't have it underlined. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So what we have to understand here is God is giving Joshua kind of a vision into the future, if you will. All right. God is, in essence, telling Joshua, look, while you're going on this journey, there's going to be people that are going to come against you. But understand something. All right. People came against my my servant, Moses. And he overcame them by following me. All right. I was with him. People are going to come against you. I will be with you. Whatever it is that God is telling you, whatever he may be showing you, there will be people that are going to come against you. 
But look at this scripture and really, really meditate on what that is. No man shall be able to stand before you with all the days of uh, uh, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. All right. So when the devil tells you that you won't be successful because the, of the people that you have to deal with, remember that no man, I don't care who it is, the president of the United States cannot keep you from getting to where God wants to take you. I don't care who the person is. I don't care how much so-called power that they have. I don't care what decisions that they make. I don't care what policies that they set. No man, no man, no man will be able to stop you from getting to where God wants to take you. No man. Also, in the book of Isaiah, it says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's Isaiah 54, 17. So not only can no man stand before you and keep you from getting to where God wants you to take, where God wants to take you. No thought, no action, no decision, nothing, absolutely nothing along with no man Nothing, no weapon will be able to keep you from getting you from getting from from you getting to where God wants to take you. None whatsoever. All right. But if we don't meditate on the word of God, we don't see this. If we don't meditate on scripture, we have no idea how this this this, this plays into our lives. All right. So we have to look at that and really, really, really meditate that and, and understand that I'm not Moses. I'm not Joshua. I'm not Abraham. I'm not David. I'm not Elijah. I'm not any of the people that are in the Bible. I'm not any of them. But understand the things that they went through. We go through today. We go through today. There's plenty of people out there that don't want to hear a thing about God. There's plenty of people out there that don't want to see us be successful, especially for those of us that are Christians. They don't want us to see be, to be successful because they can't stand the fact that we give glory to God and that we let God govern our lives. They don't like that. People in the Bible have the same exact thing. All right. So we got to be able to meditate on scripture. This is a good one to be able to meditate on. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone into situations, gone into meetings, working on a project where I knew that there was going to be some difficult people that, 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 that I had to deal with and, and some that were going to be coming against me or giving me a hard time. I can't tell you the number of times that this scripture came back to me. That this scripture came back to me. And when it came back to me, it taught me how to pray. Or, or, or I should say, Holy Spirit then showed me what to actually pray for. All right. Verse six again, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. All right. So you see there in verse 38, it's, uh, excuse me, verse number eight, it talks about meditating on this day and night. All right. When you're meditating on the word. All right. When you're meditating on the word, you're reflecting on it, you're pondering it, you're questioning it, you're, you're, you're diving deep into it and trying to understand its, its, its meaning, all right? You're trying to 
to, 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 to really reflect on what does this scripture actually mean? So if I'm looking at verse number five again there about no man shall be to stand, stand before me all the days of my life, you, you start wrestling with that and you start wondering, what would Lord, what does this mean for me in my life? And see, when you meditate on scripture, it actually creates a doorway for Holy Spirit to come in and start sharing some deeper truths with you. He can start showing you exactly how it applies to your life. How it applies to the very situation that you might be in. How it applied to a previous situation that, 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 that you were in. All right? But we have to meditate on it. All right? He'll give you that deeper meaning of what you're reading. Along with meditating on the word, we must also study the word. And the two aren't the same. Meditating and studying are not the same. But we must also study the word. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. A very familiar scripture here in you know, one of my favorites, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse number 15. All right. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. So the Amplified says, study and do your best to prevent, present yourself to God approved. A workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all irrelevant babble and godless chatter with its profane, empty words, for it will lead to further ungodliness. All right. It's hard to control your thoughts if you don't know what scripture actually says. If you're not studying, if you're not cross-referencing scriptures, if you're not looking at even some of the historical context of what of what scripture was talking about. It's really hard to keep your thoughts under under, under captivity. <coughs> Excuse me. Everything. Every single thought that comes to you into your head can be connected to something in scripture. Knowing scripture allows you to apply it to your life without having to open without having to open the Bible to find the answer. This is the difference between studying and meditating. All right. This is the difference between studying and meditating. All right. Studying in school, you do it because you want to prepare for a test. So studying scripture is so that you can be prepared for the upcoming trial. But it all starts with your thoughts. Studying differs from meditation because studying is about the practical application. Meditation is just reflecting and trying to get to the meaning of what the scripture says. So if you're doing both, you start to become more complete, if you will. You start to become more, more, more well-rounded as a believer, because I can meditate on a scripture. I understand the meaning of what God is trying to say in the scripture uh, through, through meditating. And then when I'm studying it, now it's starting to get into the practical part of the life uh, of my life. Here's what this means for me. So as I start to meditate on it, Holy Spirit starts to show me that deeper meaning of it. And then I can start saying, oh, I'm starting to see how this applies to my life right now, how do I use this in the current situation that I'm in? And the more you meditate and the more you study, the better prepared you'll be for that trial when it comes up, all right? You're the better prepared you'll be for that trial when it comes up. Now, why do I mention uh, uh, the importance of studying and how studying will allow you to know what's in scripture without having to open it? Because you're not always gonna have time to run to your Bible, okay? It's very rare, especially when a trial first hits you, it's very rare that you have time to open up scripture. This is why we pray. Okay. This is why we pray. This is why we have a relationship with God. This is why we have to stay tuned into Holy Spirit because staying tuned into Holy Spirit allows him to talk to us. And really, I should say, allows us to hear him when we're not necessarily listening for him. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. 
You could be at home watching TV, listening to what's going on, not listening for your kids, but you'll be able to hear them when they actually say something or when they do something. Right. So if we're studying scripture and we're meditating on it, then it'll allow us to be in tune in the Holy Spirit. And even though we may not be listening for him, we will still hear him when he actually speaks. Therefore, we'll be better prepared for the trial. Something else that we need to do that can help us control our thoughts is we need to write down what God says to us. Go to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah 30. And we're going to go to verse number one. Jeremiah 30, verse number one. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. So you see there in verse number two, all right, thus speaks the Lord God of Israel saying, write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you, all right? If God is showing you something, God is telling you something, write it down, okay? Write it down, right? This is part of being a student of the Bible. When you're a student in school, you write things down. You highlight things, okay? So you can, you, you bookmark and, and you put placeholders so you can go back and, and, and refer to it later on. If you're in the workplace and you're, you're learning a new task or learning a new skill or you're new on the job, you're going to write some things down. You're going to write down notes so that when you come across that situation, when training is done, you have notes that you can reflect back to. And the more and more you reflect back on those notes and the more and more you're in those situations, the less you'll actually need those notes because your experience now drives what you need to do. So if we're not writing down the things that God is telling us, how can we expect to remember them? When the devil raises his, his, his ugly head. This is one of the reasons why you also hear me say, you hear me pray uh, at the beginning uh, of this, that, that, that God will prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits so the words would get deep and then come bubbling up whenever we need them. Right? Those words coming bub- that, that come bubbling up, that works really well in a lot of situations. But in the situations where we find ourselves not being able to really slow down and grasp what's happening around us, that's when you need to refer to some written word. There's a reason why the Bible is written, because God knows that there's times when you just need to pick it up and read it for yourself. So write down the things that God is saying to you. We also need to be able to praise God at any time and any and all times. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, and we're going to go to verse number 15. Hebrews 13, verse number 15. Therefore, by him, him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. So when we start getting these negative thoughts in our mind, we got to start turning to praise. Okay. We got to start turning to praise. And if you notice here, it says continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. This means that as I was talking earlier about us, when, 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 when we're feeling sick, how difficult it can be to just pick up the word and just even read for five minutes. 
Or when we're feeling sick or, or something isn't going right in our lives, it's hard to praise God. If we're tired, it's hard to praise God. All right. Let's not let, let's not be dishonest here. Every single one of us as a child of God at times has come across a time when it, it was just hard. Right. It, it was hard to get up and go to church. And, and, and you get to church and, and it might be hard to talk to the people in the church. And, and, and then next, you know, the service starts and it might be hard to just raise your hands and start singing. But when you truly are starting to do that from your spirit, because you really want to make that connection. That's when Holy Spirit starts to connect. That's when you can start feeling the presence of God moving because he knows that it's difficult. He knows how hard it is. Don't don't forget. I mean. Part of the whole reason that Jesus had a ministry on earth was so that he could show us how to navigate the world, knowing that the world is not uh, uh, is not the perfect place, knowing that there's going to be all sorts of oppositions and all sorts of trials and tribulations. And Jesus modeled that for us so that when we go home to be with the Lord and that and on judgment day, none of us will be able to stand in front of God and say, well, Lord. You don't understand because you're perfect, right? Doesn't your word say that you're perfect and, and that your son was found without sin? The whole reason Jesus was here was so that he can feel everything that we go, that we went through and he can model to us. Here's how you get over it. Here's what you can do to get to get over. It. Here's what you can do to get past it. And I'm sending you help. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to help you because I won't be here to show you these things anymore. I can't tarry with you because I have to go prepare a place for you. But I'm going to send somebody to help you. That's going to be a Holy Spirit. So you stand up there on judgment day. You're not going to be able to tell God that God didn't understand because he'll say, well, Jesus, my son, Jesus, I sent my son down there to save you all. He experienced everything that you experienced. And when he came back to sit on my right hand, I then sent my Holy Spirit to help you on your journey. So you are never alone. Never alone. All right. So we have to learn to be able to not just continually to praise God, but also sacrifice our, our, our time, sacrifice our energy in order to be able to praise God. You might not feel good. You might have an ailment. Your, your head might hurt. Your arm might hurt. Your shoulder. You might have something going on. You know, you, know, you could be running a fever. Whatever the case may be, that's sacrificial praise. Being able to praise God regardless of how you feel. As crazy it may seem. If you simply just begin praise, begin your praise by thanking God for something, when you have that negative thought, that thought won't be able to stay in your head because the devil can't stand to be around praise. That thought won't be able to stay in your head. Okay, try it. You feel a negative? Just say, Lord, I thank you and pick something to thank him about. Because I'm telling you as ex from experience, you understand the mind can't occupy two thoughts at once. So you either focus on the, the, the negative feeling that you're having or you focus on praising God. You can't focus on both. OK, you can't focus on both. Like I said earlier, God will not force you to think about anything you don't want to think about the same way. He will not force you to do something that you don't want to do. But you start getting that negative thought. Start praising him. Just start thanking him and watch how that thought starts to change. Another thing you can do, you see there in verse 16, it says, do not forget to do good and share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You start feeling a negative thought. Think about how you can do something for somebody else. Come up with a way that you can bless another person, because in that blessing, 
they will find joy. And when they see, when they get the joy from you blessing them, you'll then start to receive the joy and your focus then starts to shift away from that negative thing to something that is more godly, something that God would want you to focus on. All right. And then once you get that thought out of your head again, the devil won't be able to stay around you because he can't stand your praise if you start praising him. Right. Last scriptures here, Philippians chapter four, and we're going to go to verse number eight. Philippians four, verse eight, because what we also need to be able to do is we need to be able to focus on the right things. Finally, believers, this is coming from the Amplified. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word. Whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually, underline that, think continually on these things, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So as I said earlier, the mind cannot occupy two thoughts at once. Change the focus of your thoughts and to anything that's listed in some of these scriptures. Okay? Get your mind centered around this. Things that are, you see there in verse 8, things that are true, honorable, and worthy of respect, right and confirmed by God's word, pure and wholesome, lovely and brings peace, admirable and of good repute if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think continually on these things all right and that's a, 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 a prayer in and of itself that you can pray when you're starting to get these negative thoughts or you get these ungodly thoughts that are coming in lord help me to focus on the things that are wholesome help me to focus on the things that are right and confirmed by your word Help me to, to, to focus on things that are admirable. Help me, help me to think on things that are lovely. Help me to think on things that bring peace. Help me to think about things that would bring me closer to you. Bring me closer to you. And you do those things and God will start to give you some thoughts that you can think about. It's up to you then at that point. Once he starts planning those thoughts in your head, it's up to you to not go searching and trying to find something negative. But it's up to you to then focus on the thing that God wants you to focus on. You got somebody in your life that's giving you a hard time and, 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 and you're upset about something. The more you start thinking about all the, all the stuff that they do wrong, the more you're going to find wrong in them. You'll never get to see them the way God wants you to see them. So shift your thought to the one thing that they did right. And once you shift your thought to the one thing that they did right, you'll find something else that they did right. And then another, and then another, and then another. And all of a sudden, you start to think about them or you start to see them differently. And then it's up to you to turn that into action that's going to glorify God. Okay? So you can bring your thoughts into captive. But the choice is yours. What do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on things that keep you in a funk? Focus on things that are negative? Focus on things that don't bring you closer to God? Or do you want to focus on the things that will bring you closer to God? And by doing that, you'll be able to please him. You'll be able to act in a way that he wants you to act. And consequently, you'll also be able to bring other people closer to God because they'll be able to model what they've seen in you. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, before we close, let's pray. 
Oh, Lord God, I just want to say thank you, Lord, and just thank you for everything. The list is so long for things that I could thank you for, Lord God, and I pray that for everyone here that's listening to this, that you would help them and show them the long list of things that they can thank you for as well, especially when times get difficult and especially when our thoughts come under attack, Lord God. I just pray that you would quicken in their spirits and bring to remembrance the things that they can focus on, Lord God, and that you would strengthen every single listener to be able to change their thoughts, to be able to push out all negative thoughts and replace them with thoughts that are that are positive, Lord, thoughts that will bring them closer to you, thoughts that would cause them to act in a way that you would want them to act and that would be pleasing to you and to only you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, again for this message. I pray that you would continue to strengthen every single listener, Lord God, and that if any time that there's an opportunity for us to share these words, that you would give us the words and the courage to share them with others because it is not your will for, every, for anyone to perish. Bless these that are, that are here, Lord God. Keep them safe in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God once again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Uh, and if it was, feel free to pass this on to anyone, friends, family, loved ones, even those that might be giving you a hard time. Um, you can find us on at genesis1.sermon.net where all of our uh, podcasts are posted. And if you click on the subscribe button in the corner there, uh, you'll receive notifications every time new content is posted. We also have apps uh, in the Google Play and the Apple App Store that you can download all for free. We have a YouTube channel. You can find us at Genesis One. If you search Genesis One Christian Ministries, you'll be able to find us on there where we have uh, have this message posted uh, by way of video as well. And again, it's all free because we just want to make the word of God available to everyone. And if you're in the Salem, Oregon area, come on by at 2651 Commercial Street Southeast in Candelaria Terrace there and uh, join us for one of our live worship services. Services are Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And we would love to have, have you there. We would love to fellowship with you uh, and, and, and just love to, to share God's word with you in person and, and feel his presence move and, and watch him move in, in, in ways that uh, sometimes we can't, even, we can't even imagine. So again, that's 2651 Commercial Street Southeast uh, here in Salem, Oregon. So hope to see you there sometime. Well, praise God. Uh, thank you for joining us again. I hope this message was a blessing to you and go in his peace. And remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Stay blessed.